Hey guys, Kyle here. I had to give you a little bit of a warning for this episode. This episode may contain things that might be illegal in your country or state. So, if you're cool with listening to that, that's awesome. If you're not, you might want to skip this episode. We were going to be tackling a topic that may be a little bit sensitive, and it's called social engineering. If that's what you'd like to listen to, then go right ahead. If you might want to pass up on it, then I would advise just waiting another two weeks for the next episode. But if you like that sort of thing and you like talking about that sort of thing, stick around and listen. Also, everything that I talk about story-wise is something that happened in the past and is for educational purposes only. Any stories that are said are past stature of limitations if they are illegal or are from anonymous sources and I just tell the story. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. When I was in school, I missed a lot of it. I didn't go to school as much as I probably should, um, and my parents never found out. Well, parent never found out. So you might ask, well, how did your parents not find out that you weren't going to school? Well, I was going to school. Um, In their eyes, I was leaving every morning, but a lot of times I would go to work or do something else. Well, if you didn't know, Um, In the States, when you miss school, you get what's called a tardy slip. And you get so many tardy slips that are are not signed off by a parent, then you may not graduate or you may start failing or it may count against you. So what I did was I went to the school office and I very firmly handed a note to the lady in the front, and on the note I had written in my father's handwriting that I had needed to change the number for their contact for my father, which, which they reluctantly believed. And the thing is, my father's number had went down for about a week, and I saw an opportunity to use my phone number as his contact number for the school. So they changed the number. They tried calling the old number first to confirm it, but it was automatically forwarded and they didn't know my father's new number. So they had called my number and of course I, in the bathroom, I had already left at that time, answered and acted like my father and posed as him and so then they confirmed the phone number. Well, now I'm in a bit of a predicament here. The contact number for their emergency contact was stupidly, now I do not recommend doing this, was me instead of my father so now every time i would miss school who would they call me and at six o'clock every day everybody who missed a machine automatically took that contact number called that number and left a voicemail or it was just a robotic voice um and would tell the person on the other end of that number that their child was missing from school today well that child was me and that phone number was mine. So my parents would never find out that I was missing school, but I took it a step further. See, I would also note my father's signature. He used to let me sign for him on certain pieces of paper, um, on certain documents for him. So I had learned his signature pretty well. So I would sign all sorts of tardy passes and late slips and everything else, so that way I could go to work and not have to worry about missing school and it counting against me so I would get the phone call I could write the note and in their eyes I was 
everything it needed to be. They had no idea that they weren't contacting my actual father. And to this day, they still don't know that they weren't contacting my actual father. Now, this is not something I would recommend anybody do, and if you're in school today, I would not recommend doing it. But this is an example of social engineering, and it's what I wanted to talk about in this episode. Social engineering is an, a very, very interesting topic, and I would love to delve a little bit deeper into how to social engineer, my four-step plan on social engineering, some famous examples of social engineering, and some ways to learn how to social engineer. So if that's the tor- type of topic that interests you, stick around, because I have a good episode. Thanks, guys. And you're listening to the Cyber Sector 7 Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Reese. If you enjoy social engineering, hacking, OSINT, or cyber culture in general, you'd like this show. So stick around, share it with your friends, because here we go. Ah, now that, that is, let's see, adjust the mic a bit here. That is a Mountain Dew. On a Sunday night, before I have work tomorrow, oh my, oh my. You know, I was having a bit of trouble getting this recorded. I don't know if any of you guys have had this error before, but I'm on Audacity on Linux, and I got error code 9993, illegal combination of I.O. devices. I don't know what that means. Um, but I'm going to Google it. If any of you guys know what that means, uh, go right ahead and let me know. You can always email me or shoot me a DM or hop on Discord. I'm on one of those, usually. Um, if you email me, though, I would prefer you to email me from ProtonMail. Alright, this episode is about social engineering. I told you a little story in the beginning and a bit of a warning at the beginning of the episode. So if you've made it this far, then congratulations. So, what is social engineering? Well, I did a Google search earlier just to see what the technical definition was. And, you know, uh, paraphrasing a bit, I I cut some off the back end of this definition here because it was a little long. But um, Google's definition from the Oxford Dictionary is the use of deception to manipulate individuals into divulging confidential and personal information. Which is interesting. But what is it really? Let's 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 break that down here because that's a bit of a loaded answer. Social engineering is just people skills. You have to know how to work with people, how the human mind works. There are some wonderful books. Now I'm not going to plug any books here because they're not paying me to. But there are some really really wonderful books out there. You can just look up social engineering books. Um, there's wonderful YouTube videos, courses, and you can learn from tons and tons and tons of different people that don't even proclaim themselves as social engineers, but social engineer without even knowing it. Um, the, uh, a famous social engineer from the 80s was Kevin Mitnick. You know, he would call people on the phone and essentially get his way into systems just by proclaiming himself to be someone he wasn't. And he would come up with a very convincing story to do so. That in and of itself is social engineering, but what else is social engineering? What are some things we do in our everyday life that are social engineering? Well, have you ever been to a flea market? Now, if you don't know what a flea market is, it's a basically an open market where tons and tons of people come and set up little shops, and you can... It's like a little 
a little mall, like a little outdoor mall. Some of them are indoor, but a lot of them are outdoor, and um, you just shop around and shop with all the different people, and when you go there, you know, you barter. You try to maybe make a trade. I'll trade you this thing if you tr give me that thing, or he may be asking $5 for something, and you think it's only worth $3, so you say, oh, well, I'll give you... Uh, $3 for that. And he's like, well, I'll give you 5 You're like, okay, well, I'll give you $2 in this rare coin. You see what I mean? That's social engineering. It's people skills. It's knowing how to manipulate people to divulge information or to get your way. Um, the little brother of families is usually a social engineer because they're manipulating little um, freaks. Almost said the F word. Um, I have a little brother who's just like that, though. That that one's personal. Uh, little bro, if you're listening to this, I'm calling you out. Um, but but now you know that those are some great examples of social engineering techniques that we use in our everyday. You know, bartering is one of them. Um, some things you may see in the hacking world are pretexting. Um, or even fishing. Fishing is a huge social. It's all social engineering. And you know, there's really two types of phishing emails you know you have your nigerian scammer type which are basically meant to be bad english and look really stupid so only stupid people get it because you know people like me and you i hope you're smart enough not to fall for that uh, but people like me and you we we wouldn't fall for a nigerian scammer email or nigerian scammer call because it sounds dumb we're smart enough but the thing is they know we wouldn't fall for it their target isn't us their target is dumb people, people that are dumb enough to fall for those sorts of things. So it's kind of genius when you think about it. They, they don't want it to sound perfect and beautiful because then that raises way too much suspicion. They want it to sound dumb, so dumb people that don't ask questions will fall for it. That's a wonderful example of social engineering. Some wonderful examples I've seen in my own life of social engineers are, and I made a bit of a list here that I'm a kind of read off diplomats you know politicians and diplomats are huge social engineers you know they go into another country to try to convince a country to do something and they have to make deals and work with them and get into their head and and you know we see that on the news every day diplomats and politicians some other wonderful social engineers that you'll see in your everyday life and you know if you guys see any that aren't on this list feel free to drop a comment if you can wherever you are listening to this um, but if you can, you know, email me, DM me. If I like it, I'll put it on Instagram or Twitter. Uh, diplomats, I said that. Uh, politicians, yes. Attorneys, wonderful social engineers. You know, lately we've been seeing in the Johnny Depp Amber Heard case. The now I don't, I'm not picking sides here. Um, but hashtag Johnny. But you know, we saw a bit of a social engineering tactic by uh, Amber Heard's attorney team. By trying to ask questions to try to direct a certain answer from Johnny just this week. We we saw that. Now, I'm not a legal advisor or anything like that, but I just thought that was interesting. You know, and I'm glad Johnny didn't fall for it. But it's interesting to see how asking certain questions to direct an answer, that's a wonderful example of social engineering. And it's a psychological tactic that many social engineers use, especially attorneys and police officers. They will try to ask questions to direct certain answers some some others we'll see are salesmen you know from door-to-door -door salesmen to 
call you up and try to sell you something or even car salesmen if you ever go to buy a used vehicle you'll notice a lot of especially car salesmen will use a lot of psychological tactics to try to get you in a new or used vehicle and people fall for, fall for that all the time um, some social engineering schemes and scams that I've even seen pop up especially very recently are these financial gurus you know like if you guys ever been on YouTube you go to watch like let's say a Graham Stephan video and before it it's like this guy who's like got the Lamborghini and he's like um, you know I can teach you how to make money like this or I can give you this stack of ten thousand dollars right now I can just give it to you but instead I'm going to teach you how to make even more money every day. And then he gives you an example of people he's helped or she's helped. It's usually a male. Um, and, you know, he shows all these screenshots and stuff. And, you know, they could be fake. They could not be. But then it catches your eye. You're like, oh, what, what, what is he He's going to teach me? And he's like, if you sign up for my free ebook below, so you, you download the ebook and it's got you hooked then. Now it's, he's, it's called baiting. He's got you baited. So then you sign up for the ebook and you're like, oh, well, this is an interesting ebook, but it's only a few pages. And then it says something on the lines of, you could sign up for my course and I could teach you everything. So next thing you know, you learn a bunch of pointless shit about drop shipping and realize you're way too late to the game and you didn't start in 2012. So there's no point in it. The only people that are making money from drop shipping are people that either have been in it for a long time or people that are teaching it, those who can't teach. So that's that's another wonderful example. I know I went into a bit of detail there. I haven't done that, but I have looked into drop shipping before and I've tried to uncover those scams and schemes and it's very interesting stuff. Um I encourage you this week after this episode, go try to spot some social engineering schemes and scams. Go go try to find social engineers, talk to them. Um go down those rabbit holes, you know, learn the tactics cuz social engineering is can be very helpful and there's multiple types of social engineering. But let's get back to our list here. I'm going off on a tangent. Uh customer service reps. It's another wonderful one. And you know, I'm naming this list here. I don't know if you guys are taking notes. I'd love to start putting notes up somewhere. Um but anyone you I I name on this list Feel free to reach out to people if you know any of these people, like a salesman or a diplomat or a politician or an attorney or any of the others I'm about to name. If you know them and you're trying to learn more about social engineering, ask them. Don't specifically say, hey, you know, I'm trying to learn social engineering. Say something along the lines of, you know, you're a really good people person. How do you convince people to do what you want? You know, what what are some tricks? And you can learn a lot. That's what I do. And I see, meet like a, a new attorney that I haven't met before, or I meet a, a new salesman. I'm always asking them, hey, you know, what, what are some tips? Give me some tricks here. I, I want to learn. That's really, really helpful is just to ask people like this, because chances are they will teach you. They'll give you little tips and tricks. If you've been in it for a long time, you've picked things up. So the best places to learn are from physical people I've found in in my time doing it um I mentioned salesmen fraudsters you know um scammers those are people now I don't encourage you to reach out to fraudsters and scammers but if you know one by happen chance um reach out to them ask them uh customer service reps uh, let's see, therapists and psychologists. Those are probably some of your best social engineers you'll ever meet because they have to 
dig information out of their clients and get them to talk so they have to know how the human brain works they have to know those things and because they know them they're able to dig those incredible pieces of information out um and the last one i have on my list here are actors actors can i mean we see it all the time whether you're watching a theater actor or you're watching a movie a lot of times they can be very 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 convincing of their character and that's because they've learned how the mind works so they know how to convince us that that is what they are that's the role they're playing and actors are huge especially for for and I don't hear a lot of people talking about it but in in the hacker space when it comes to social engineering actors you can learn a lot from because many times we'll have to put on a show we'll have to put on an act in order to convince people um a wonderful example of social engineering from let's uh, a tv show i don't know if any of you have watched mr robot i would highly recommend it though but we see i think it was in season one mr robot walks up behind a guy and just has it has a, like a laptop bag kind of satchel messenger bag on his side and he bumps into a guy's like spills his coffee he's like oh hell man i'm so sorry uh i'll i'll pay for a new one or whatever i can't remember if he does um and then he walks off well in that bag was an rfid scanner so he had to put on an act to bump into that guy so he could scan his rfid badge with his rfid scanning bag that's another example of social engineering. You would have never thought about it, but he just, a simple bump, and then, oh, I'm sorry, it, it is what it is, I'll, I'll go on. Uh, another wonderful example of social engineering where actors can kind of teach you these things, um, and I'm not talking about any actors specifically, but there's a movie I noticed this in a while ago, and I wanted to talk about it. I've been wanting to do this episode for a while. It, uh, in the movie National Treasure, it's a Disney movie, came out in the... T- I want to say early 2000s when I was a, I was a young lad um, and there's this scene where he, he has to get into this building because he's stealing the Declaration of Independence the Declaration of Independence you know so he dresses up like uh, a janitor or a worker or whatever he's got his tool bag he's pushing his little cart and he walks in and he's got a little employee badge and to get into this, you know, super lavish party and get past everybody and go steal the Declaration of Independence, he is not invited, of course, to this party, so he dresses up like a worker, and then he just walks in where the employees would and acts like he's there. He acts like he belongs. Keyword, act. You can learn a lot from actors. He acts like he belongs, and he just walks in and goes to the bathroom changes his clothes, goes into a tux, then walks to the party, and then, keyword act, acts like he belongs. That's important. If you're social engineering, you need to act like you belong. You need to be the person that you've put in your mind. And so let's get to that. Let's get to So so how do you social engineer someone? Well, I'm not going to give you all the tips and the tricks because chances are you need to practice and learn those things on yourself if i give them to you you will just try them and and you could get yourself into trouble so i'm not going to be responsible for that but i am going to tell you how you can learn and some steps you can do to be a better social engineer i'm not going to give you these little mind trips and ticks 
you're going to have to go learn that on your own. Go talk to the salesman, the diplomat, the fraudsters, the customer service reps, the politicians, attorneys, therapists, and psychologists, and actors on your own time. I don't have, I could talk to you about it for days. But I've created a bit of an interesting thing you can do here. So, how do you social engineer? First thing you need to do, you need to create a plan. You need to have in your mind what's going to happen, how you're going to do it, when you're going to do it, and what's going down. Second thing you need to do, you need to know your story. I mean, you need to know it frontwards and backwards. You need to know every bit of it. You need to have it downloaded into your memory. You need to know it, not your computer's memory, your brain, your human skull. Have it ready. Know all the ins and outs. Number three, you're going to need to get into your right headspace. Now, this is something I learned from actors, and I, I do this when I have to social engineer people. Um, so there, here's a social engineering trick I like to use. I'll give you one little trick. This isn't a, a more of a technique. This is just something I've done in the past. I needed an apartment number from somebody. So what I did was I acted like I was from DoorDash, and I called from an anonymous number, and just remember, I just acted like I was from DoorDash, and I said, hey, I'm from DoorDash. I'm making a delivery from the IHOP across the street, and I'm just making sure I have the right address. The first thing I do is say I make sure I'm ha I have the right address. So I called the apartment complex manager, said, hey, I need to know if I have the right address. The first thing she's like, Oh, yeah, yeah, you have the right address. You know, this is the so-and-so apartments at so-and-so street, at like 123 Main Street. Um, and I'm like, okay, just making sure. Thank you so much. Oh, can you do me one more thing? See, now I've got her to give me one piece of small information. I can ask her another piece of information, and she'll be a little more open to give it to me. Now, I just needed the apartment number. I'm not Mike from DoorDash trying to confirm I have the right address. All I need is the apartment number. But I've already asked if I had the right address, so now she's already opened up to me. So I say, okay, um, I'm actually trying to reach a Mr. Joe Doe, and or John Doe. I'm trying to reach a John Doe, and I says right here, he's at apartment 123. I didn't have the apartment. Can you just confirm or deny that for me? And she'll be like, oh, well, that's actually not the right apartment. I'm like, is there any way you could just give that to me? Because, like, if I don't get this, and, you know, it's Christmas time, and I got kids, and I'm really trying to get this tip so that way I can pay for my, my kids' Christmas. It's like, yeah, sure, okay. I really do understand. It is Christmas time. He's actually in unit 124, not 123. Um, I'm sure you'll find that. I'm sure he would have told you that anyway. But good luck. Then I hung up. And now I have the right apartment number, just from a simple social engineering tactic from because I was going to be Mike from DoorDash. And now that is the right headspace. You have to be in that headspace. Like I said, from actors, you, you learn your stories, you learn your lines, you can learn how to get in that right headspace. Um, something Nicolas Cage, we were just talking about him, he used to do before he would get in, and I've even done this before this story, to get in the right headspace. He would pretend like he's that character. So he, he, there was one movie he was in where he was an insane man. So before he would go and act, he would be in his room just or in his car screaming on the top of his lungs like an insane man. So that way when he goes to act, he would be an insane man. So before I would do that, that social engineering scheme, I would 
put my ball cap on and I would sit there and I'd act like I'm in a car and people would look at me like I'm weird and I'd act like I'm in a car and I'd have my laptop bag next to me pretending it's my DoorDash bag and I'd be like, I am Mike from DoorDash. I am Mike from DoorDash and I'll just pretend I'm driving, listening to music. I ha- It's weird, I agree, but it's something you just have to do to get in that headspace. It's just a trick I do and it may work for you, it may not. Um, the uh, the fourth thing you can do to learn to social engineer, especially when you're doing this, is have confidence. I can't express that. People will know if you're lying, especially if you don't have confidence. I'm not encouraging you to lie. Um, and always do this within the legal means of the law if, on people you have permission to do this on. Um, pretexting in many states is illegal especially if you're a PI. So just watch that. Um, I mean, remember, this is all for educational purposes. But have confidence. Have plenty of confidence. That's Let's go back to the getting and learning from actors and screaming in your car and, and me sitting there pretending like I'm a DoorDash driver at my, my desk about to get on the phone. That can help you build confidence. You need to know who you are. You need to be 100% positive of who you are. And you need to convince yourself you are that person. That you are no longer, you know, uh, Joe Schmo or whoever you really are. That you're now uh, Mike the Taxi Driver. And the fourth thing I have here, or fifth thing I have here, is practice. Practice makes perfect. Uh, some places you can practice are is on your family or on, well, if you have a spouse, you can practice on your spouse. Okay, now, with permission, of course, you may want to ask them a, a couple weeks ahead of time, but then surprise them randomly. Uh, get creative with it. Social engineer them to do things. And that's that's the most important part. Get creative. Have fun with it. It's a valuable skill. It helps you not only in the hacker space, but also really in the real world. Learning how to social engineer people, you can get better deals, better prices. Uh, you can get better information from people. If you're trying to investigate something and ask somebody, well, you know, do you know anything about X and Y? And they just give you, yeah, I know everything about X and Y. And but if you're a social engineer, do you know anything about X and Y or how they're connected and ask really more intense questions? And then when they're answering those questions, knowing psychological tricks in order to get their mind jogging, you know, jog their memory, get things out of there, get tons of information from them. First social engineer I ever met was my father. He was a salesman. I think I've talked a little bit about this. He was a salesman for a long time, and a lot of times he would take me on trips with him, sales trips and stuff, or I'd go to work with him for a day, and he taught me all sorts of stuff about that. So if you know any salesman, maybe you should ask him one day, hey, you, you, do you mind if I do a ride-along sometime? Would your boss mind if I tagged along? I just want to learn a little bit about sales, you could always read sales books and that sort of thing. Sales books are some wonderful books, especially if you're trying to get into social engineering. On the surface, it just says, you know, a sales book and nobody really thinks about it. But for people like us, that's a treasure trove of psychological tricks and information. I read in a book one time that the color blue will make people trust you more. 
So if I have to go do an in-person social engineering tactic, I, I try to make sure I have the color blue on somewhere. Like I'm wearing maybe a blue shirt underneath an orange safety vest or a blue button-up shirt and having my clipboard so that way people are like, oh, he's, he's serious. And then that blue triggers something in their mind. They're like, you know, I don't know, but I'm going to trust him. And I can't say if it works or doesn't work, but it's worked for me in the past. So I, I've always thought that was interesting. Some fun little examples, some more examples of, of social engineering I like to talk about are um, the Ben Franklin effect. I talked a little bit about that earlier. Um, and that is like, so remember when I said earlier, I asked the, the leasing manager of that apartment complex or whatever for a little piece of information, and she was very kind and gave it to me. Well, then I asked her for another little piece of information, and she was kind and gave it to me. The Ben Franklin effect is when you start, if you want someone to do something, you start by asking them, or even if you want someone to like you, it really makes people like you. You ask them for something small, just a little favor, like, hey, will you hold this? Or, hey, am I going to the right address? And they're like, oh, yes, yes, you are. Okay. Well, then you ask them another small little question, Oh, yes, of course, yes, I can definitely give that to you. Just something that's obvious that you already know uh, doesn't have to be an actual question you're trying to get out of them. You're just trying to build up that Ben Franklin effect so they like you. And you ask them another little question and then a little another question, and then you hit them with an even bigger question. So it was a gradual scale up of questions to what you were trying to ask. But you didn't just straight up ask, hey, um, I'm looking for Mike Jones at, and I need an apartment number for him because, you know, they wouldn't give that to you. You say, oh, I'm just trying to get there, make sure I have the right address. Um, can you maybe point me to apartment so-and-so? Am I, am I going to the right apartment for apartment so-and-so? Uh, where do I park? Is there a gate? Little questions like that. You just build them up. So they begin to like you. You have to be kind. But that's how the Ben Franklin effect works, and that's a bit of a use case of the Ben Franklin effect. Um, pretexting. Pretexting is another wonderful example. It's kind of what we've already kind of talked about on the phone. You're pretexting someone. Um, and another example of social engineering is just looking like you belong. I like the old joke. You know, if you want to get into anywhere, just wear an orange safety vest and carry a ladder. But I cannot tell you how true that is. If you have a clipboard and an orange safety vest and a hard hat, you can walk just about in anywhere. You, you literally, I've personally done it. There's a big building downtown not far from where I, uh, where I live. And sometimes I've just gone down there. I've looked like I belong. I'll put like an orange safety vest on. Um, I used to have this AT&T vest that I would wear and I would just carry like a bag and I had I would have some tools in it and I would just be like and I actually got this off a YouTube video from some red teamers but um and I walked in there and I just looked like I was an IT guy and they asked well um do you have a permission slip to be here or what are you here for and I just like I'm from AT&T I'm just here to check some of your speeds and uh, a really interesting trick that I don't advise you using um, is if you say, hey, uh, we've noticed some very unusual traffic on your network that is possibly illegal before we decide to prosecute or send a letter of termination, we wanted to come here and check that out ourselves. See, that is a scare tactic. That tells them, oh, well, 
I don't want to take up too much of his time. I don't want to ask too many questions, otherwise it might make me look guilty. So I'm just going to let the AT&T guy do his thing, and then I'll ask questions later after he's done. So I'll set up and just use the free Wi-Fi, um, which is fun. And sometimes I'll be like, oh, well, I need, actually need access to this certain room on floor so-and-so because that is looking like where the interference is coming from i'm gonna go up there and wait on my team to get here i do not need anybody you're more than welcome to join me but honestly i would rather just work alone on this and i'll find you when i'm ready and then i'll be like oh well can i get your number so that way i can call you when i'm ready to talk about what happened they'll give me their phone number i never call them but now i have the number of an employee that works there you see how this goes social engineering and you can't do any of that without what i said earlier confidence if you walk up and you're shaking you know i've done it a thousand times and every time before i go in i kind of get the shakes but second i walk through that door it's got to be gone i'm no longer kyle reese i am joe schmo who works with at&t you have to be that person you have to have confidence you could always take like a theater class or an acting class confidence is key when social engineering um so how do you have a plan? I know I talked about earlier creating a plan. And and what should your plan be? Well, I've created a bit of a four-step process on what I call the plan. I call it my – what are we going to call it? Um, let's say four steps to social engineering. That's what we'll call it. Okay, so step one. Step one is recon. Before you try to attempt to social engineer anybody, especially, you know, now if it's a situation that just erupted out of nowhere, then yes, you're going to have to fly on your feet and wing it. But if this is something you're planning, you could go by the step process. So step one, recon. You're going to want to use OSINT, and I've talked plenty about that, OSINT to find as much out about your target as possible. You want to know everything about your target. Um... I mentioned earlier when I was trying to get the apartment number, I said, Hi, I'm Mike from DoorDash. I'm delivering from IHOP. What I did was I found the apartment complex. I pulled it up on Google Maps, and I went to try to find surrounding area restaurants that DoorDash delivered from. And I noticed there was an IHOP down the street, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's that's good. So then I looked up, uh, I did a little bit of research and found a delivery driver who had lived in that area named Mike. And I was like, okay, so there's a Mike delivery driver in that area. Um, chances are she'll probably have known this person or seen this person around if, if this, or he, whoever was working at the leasing office of that apartment complex, if they work there, I'm sure they've gotten plenty of calls from this Mike fellow. Um, so that's who I post as. I post as Mike because he's a DoorDash driver right across the street. There's an IHOP. You have to know those things. You have to do your research. OSINT is important. Preparing before the hack. You have to do your recon on a planned social engineering attack. Step two, find a vulnerability. Now, what was the vulnerability earlier? The vulnerability was the lady who had answered the phone when I called. People are always going to be your weakest link in any company. A machine does exactly what you tell it to. A person will lie, cheat, and steal. So the vulnerability, and be gullible, the vulnerability was the person. That was my vulnerability. So I used my vulnerability. I knew if I couldn't just ask her, you know, and I had to find a vulnerability with her. I couldn't just ask her, hey, what apartment is this person at? 
No, she's not going to give me that information. She can't give that out. But what I can do is use the Ben Franklin effect and think of it like a zero day. Think of it like a zero day vulnerability where I'll use this this exploit and her human biology and her human nature that she doesn't even know about to give me the information that I needed. Step three, come up with a very convincing story and a reason. Here's a hint. Make it sound urgent, a sense of urgency, um, and personal. You're going to want to throw in a few little personal details. You don't want to be a robot like, I am Mike from DoorDash, and I have to deliver. I just want to make sure I have the right address. Make it sound more, hey, I'm Mike from DoorDash, just delivering from the IHOP across the street, and you know I'm going to be pulling up here in a minute. I'm trying to get this... Um, this big tip, this order, he, he supposedly said he's going to leave a big tip if I can get there, but he didn't even leave an apartment number. He's not texting me back. It's Christmas. Can you do me a favor? It's my kids. Can I just, I need you to do me this favor. I need this tip for my kids because Christmas is right around the corner. See, that's way more convincing than I'm Mike from DoorDash. I need this apartment number. See what I'm saying? Which one would you fall for? And it's okay to fall for these things. I mean, it's not okay. I hope you don't. Um, and now that I'm telling you about these things, I would hope you wouldn't fall for them. But it's human nature. Don't feel ashamed if you ever fall for one. Because these tactics are very advanced. They're meant to use human zero days in our brains that we just simply don't know about. And we sometimes are unable to patch them. Uh, really, the only way to patch them is to know about them. So if you don't know, can't patch it. And step four, which is my final step, is execute your plan, the previous three steps, with confidence. Confidence, confidence, confidence. Confidence is key. Without confidence, none of it is possible. Not a single bit of it. Without confidence, you might as well not even try to social engineer because they're going to tell your voice is shaking. They're going to tell that you don't belong and you're not who you say you are because humans, and it's, it's a scientific fact, we just give off these, and some people are, some scientists are going to call them vibes. We just give these vibes off. So the key is, and something I've learned, is to trick your brain into being who you think, or who you're trying to be. So if you can convince your brain that you really are Mike from DoorDash, I've learned that people very rarely will pick up that you're not Mike from DoorDash. It's just my own research. I don't know if it's, True, there's probably some science behind that, but I know there is science behind vibes. So, well, that's going to wrap things up. Um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, I love all of you, as usual. If you'd like to get in contact with me personally, or you'd like to talk a little bit about social engineering, maybe I'll throw it on the show. Shoot, maybe I'll record our conversation and put it on the show. Uh, you can always hit me up in Discord, or you can hit me up on Instagram. Uh, I'm also putting my email in the description of this. You guys can always do that. As always, have a good one. Be safe. Stay healthy. Drink water. And uh, don't die. I will see you all next week or week after next week. So, bye.